wore a death's head emblem on their right collar tab. He walks with a pronounced limp, a parting gift from a Russian tank. It is a badge of honour. Few others in the camp have seen service at the front. Now he spends his days in Abteilung 1, responsible to the camp commandant. His duties are concerned with overseeing the many satellite labour camps that fall under the umbrella of Auschwitz, mainly the old Zwangsarbeitslager for Juden, Fürstengruber and Blechhammer, and others even further afield. He is responsible for the SS personnel, and two Scharführers and their teams work daily miracles for him, with rosters of men and transport. Meissner's biggest headache is the IG Farbenwerke, the labyrinthine Buna industrial complex that the Monowitz camp was built to serve, its capacity to produce synthetic oil and rubber from the surrounding coal fields is crucial to the war effort. Yet construction is months behind schedule. So far, not a single drop of oil or gram of rubber has been produced. Without warning, the quiet is broken. The camp orchestra, an orchestra made up of inmates, was established in the main Auschwitz camp as early as 1941. Others were subsequently formed in Birkenau and Monowitz, the orchestra played when the inmates left and returned to the camp each day. According to one account, the orchestra was required to play at all official occasions, for the camp commander's speeches, for transports, and for hangings. It also served as the entertainment for the SS and the inmates in the medical barracks. The women's orchestra in Birkenau was the most famous. Its leader was Alma Rose, a well-known musician who died in Auschwitz in 1944. The camp orchestra has struck up a tune, a jaunty marching song. He searches his memory for its name, but it eludes him. He glances at his watch. Where has the day gone? Minutes later, their day at the factory over, the inmates start to enter the camp. The scene is almost comic in its absurdity, Ghastly wrecks of men in filthy, blue-striped uniforms marching in time to the cheery melody of the orchestra. Some of the capos. The SS used selected prisoners, the Prominenten, to run the camps for them. They were usually Germans sent to a concentration camp for a criminal or political offence. Eltersten, or elders, managed the living quarters. Capos supervised the labour squads, or commandos. They were given privileges, providing they kept control of their fellow prisoners. In order to maintain their privileged status, the Prominenten often acted with frightening brutality. There are numerous accounts of prisoners being beaten to death for some minor or imagined infraction. Some of the capos have even got their men singing. They are led straight to the parade ground, where they line up in columns five abreast, the early arrivals will have to endure the cold while they wait. There are over ten thousand inmates, and it will be a while before they are all assembled and the roll call can begin. Among the inmates is a recent arrival from France. He has not yet acquired the haunted, hollow-eyed look of the camp, and although he has lost weight and his uniform hangs loosely on his frame, his health is still good. He used to have a name but that was in another life, a life that made sense beyond the daily struggle merely to survive. 
His name was Émile Clément, and he was a watchmaker. Now he is simply Heftling, prisoner or detainee, number 163291. In the eyes of the Reich, Émile is guilty of a crime for which there can be no pardon. He is a Jew. A hush descends on the parade ground. Roll call begins. The inmates must stand to attention and ignore the bitter fingers of cold that pinch at their emaciated limbs. The camp waits, gripped by numb anxiety. If the numbers do not tally, roll call will have to begin all over again. But not tonight. The Rapportführer, an SS NCO responsible for conducting the roll call, is satisfied and they are dismissed. One might expect to hear a collective sigh of relief.